Let's get straight into the Word and see what the Holy Ghost will say and do. Amen. We're going to stay with speaking around the Spirit of God. How many of you know not everybody likes the Holy Ghost? Sounds terrible, hey? How? Yeah. People say, there's people that say, no, that's long passed away. We're not getting into that now. Well, praise the Lord. If you come to this house, you're in it. <laughs> so you might as well receive it because they think you're one of us because you come here. Right? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, as I often say at this time of the year, now you don't want to slow down. Amen. Now I know it's Christmas, but in your heart, don't slow down. Don't, don't tell your faith to take a break because it doesn't know how to do that. Your faith is a verb. It's a doing word. It's always producing. Got it? So while you sleep, this word works night and day. Think about this. While I'm doing, words working. Wake up in the morning, walk straight into the new blessing. Come on. Come on. Do you believe this? Hey? Come on. It's real, family. So we're going to give you a a two couple of scriptures, and I'm going to, because before we go any further, when I come back, if the Spirit of God releases us to continue here, because there's so much to speak on in the, in the, on the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, I like calling Him the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Spirit, but old King James calls Him Holy Ghost. <laughs> eh? Holy Ghost sounds very powerful to me. Like that. <laughs> he just comes. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, some people, if the Lord, if the Holy Ghost came down the road in a bright red checkered shirt, people wouldn't know who he is. Come on. So get to know him. You can't pray to him, remember? but you can talk to Him and He's talking to you. He's guiding you into all truth. Glory to God. He's the oil. He's the oil. Think, what does oil do? Well, if you're cooking food with olive oil, it's very healthy. Never mind how tasty it is. If your car's got no oil, You're going nowhere. Come on, just think of it. You got the Holy Ghost, the oil of God, well lubricated, able to run and not be weary. I'm not talking about you supposed to sleep at night. I understand that. That's not the context that I'm speaking. Please don't go home and say, he says you mustn't sleep. You must just keep going. Because here's the good news. Thou shalt die. All right, you got to sleep because the Bible says so. Amen. So let's go to a scripture that you know well, that bears repeat again and again and again and again. 
And it's John 16, verse 12 to 15. Help me, Lord, to just share this word with your people now and bring forth that which you want in Jesus' name. Now, before we go there, the title of the message is Spirit-Led Decision-Making. See, you can have your led decision-making. Oh my goodness, I looked up at Jonathan. I thought it was Richard sitting there. I thought, what happened to his beard? <laughs> you got a beard there, boy? No, not yet. Just working on it still. Okay. I just saw your dad there. My goodness, that's amazing. Hey, it's in the DNA. You know, some people say, I don't want to be like my mother. Too late. <laughs> don't want to be like my father. Too late. I was sitting at lunch with Caleb and, and I looked up and I saw his grandfather, Pastor Janet's father, immediately, just like that, suddenly. Just the expression, I saw the old man who's now in glory, but um, yeah, just, and that's the DNA. When they look at you, want to see your father in heaven. Amen. Amen. When we look at you, want to see your, look, just like his father in heaven. That's how he's acting. That's how he lives. That's how she lives. Just like her father in heaven. Oh, there's the father on that side. Okay. Okay, that's normally where the sun sits. Amen. Okay. Glory to God. So let us go to John 16. This is um, spirit-led decision-making. It's extremely important. And I will often go to decisions with people when I'm in council. The reason being that people don't make decisions. They just let it fester. They're concerned about making the wrong decision or they're concerned for a host of reasons why they shouldn't make the decision. But I do wanna tell you tonight that not making the decision is a greater pressure than making the decision. Do you understand? It's so important we get that. It's a simple, simple truth. Make the decision. Make the decision. Amen. So, John 16, verse 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. And that is a whole sermon on its own. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Do you have that confidence tonight? When He speaks to you, do you believe that He's telling the truth from the Father? If you don't know his, how His voice sounds, well then obviously you won't believe it. But you can hear the Spirit of God speak to you. He will guide you, not push you. He will look for your agreement to take you to the next level or next phase that He wants you to walk in. He's not going to force you, family. If only God, no, God is waiting for you and I. It's up to us to walk with Him. He will not speak on His own authority. Think about that. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he'll tell you things to come. 
Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. This week I was with the Lord. It's not a weekly, it's every week event, just in case it sounds like, oh, he was with the Lord for the first time this week. No, I'm always with the Lord. And I was sitting and I was, I was in the Word, I was, I was not getting a sermon. How many of you know, one day if you ever minister, don't think every time you go and be with the Lord, you must get a sermon. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a conversation and teach you about how He wants to walk with you. So we must think about that. Amen. And I was with the Lord, I was saying to my wife, and I was going through scriptures. I'd, I'd sat in, the, in my study and I'd said, as I walked in, I just knew where he told me to go. And he, and he took, he said, I want you to go to your prayer book. So my Bible was by this time open. I went and got one of my older prayer books out. And he said to me, I want you to turn to 2013, the 22nd of November, 2013. And I went back, got it, remembered what he said. And this happened on Friday, the 17th of November, 2023, a few days short of 10 years. He said to me, activate more what I told you in those days. Hello, family. Hello. And I've gone there many, 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 many times to the Scriptures He gave me. And then He spoke to me about something into the future. And I can see your nose growing. But I'm not telling you because it's my business. But He spoke to me. I got such a shock the what he spoke. He just spoke into our future. I wasn't looking for it. I was just walking in the Spirit because he had told me what to do. I was doing what he told me to do, not what I thought was a good way. I made a decision when I walk in there, if he says, go here, then I go there. Do you know what I mean? Because he's always in fellowship with me. Because he's guiding me into all truth. He doesn't do that sporadically. He doesn't do it sometimes and then the next day he says, no, no, I'm, I'm a bit weary today. Do it on your own. See if you can make it. You see how stupid it sounds? Because he wouldn't do that. The Bible says he'll never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And so I want you to see this. And so he spoke into our wife. I actually spoke to my wife about it coming here. Um, um, and I said to her, I said, it's so big, blonde, but I never asked for it. It's up to the Father. All I'm doing is believing what he said. Can you see? I made a decision when he said it. I literally got a shock. Like, oh, are you serious, Lord? Can you hear? Now, you want to hear? No, you're not hearing that. One day, one day, you'll see it. You won't have to hear it. 
Amen. But I made, I made a decision and I said to my wife again tonight, driving in, I said, I just want to visit that again. She said, are you going to tell anybody? No. Now I'm telling you the broad outline, but I'm not released to do that. Are you with me? Not because I'm trying to be smart. I've got to protect it. So I keep it in our hearts. We stay in faith for it. Amen. Amen. So let's carry on here. And he will tell you things to come. What was he doing? Telling me something to come. But notice I was seeking him and what he had said, not what I wanted. Then he spoke to something that is just nice to have. Very nice to have. Are you with me? But that's not what I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing God. And that's what he's talking about here. Okay? And he will tell you things to come. I can't re keep reading the scripture and neither can you. And he never tells you what's to come. That's wrong. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen. He's going to talk to you about what is to come. All right? And we've got to put big pants on when he talks. Because it's often way beyond where we are. Remember, God speaks into the future. Then he brings the word on how to get there. But he sets the vision as he did with Abraham. And that applies to every facet of life, whether it's spiritual, mental, social, physical, or fi financial. So the Bible says, He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and He'll declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that He will take of mine and He will, what? Declare it to you. So what did He do? Something in the Father's heart for me, he declared. Can you see? Come on, family, this is amazing stuff. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 11, and this clock is moving too quickly. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 11. Spirit-led decision-making. Let's go. Verse five. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence. Add, what's that? How do you give diligence? How do you give diligence? You make a decision. Can you see that? You make a decision. You don't just get diligent. You make a decision to be diligent. Now watch what he said. We believe in the word of faith. But now he's saying faith must have another fruitful growth beyond our understanding perhaps at this stage in terms of faith. He said now diligently add to your faith 
In other words, you and I make a decision to add these characteristics to our faith. And it goes as follows. Virtue. Then he says, now you know we could spend a lot of time just on each one of these words. Then he says, to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if, listen carefully, for if these things are yours and abound, did he not say they are yours? Now he's asking us the question, because he said you have to make a decision to diligently seek them. When we're feeling a little bit off on that morning and we don't seek these matters, it hinders us. So initially you might start out mechanically working through them, but eventually these characteristics become a part of your DNA because it's who your father is anyway. So it's in you, it's just not developed. Can you see that? Because he can't ask you to pursue anything that He hasn't given you. Come on. So for these things, He says, for if these things are yours, and they are, and then He says, and abound, and abound, you will be neither barren in the knowledge, or unfruitful in the knowledge of Christ Jesus in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. That's not knowing how to quote certain scriptures. That's knowing the person of Christ Jesus, your friend. Is he your friend? He said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friend. Think about that. What do you do with a friend? You ignore him, right? Of course not. You sit in fellowship. You sit and talk to your friend. Shouldn't we do, be doing this? This is what he said. Come on. You'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of Jesus Christ, your friend. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He's saying the past is not relevant in the present. The Bible speaks of present truth. That's what we're touching on 
right now. For he who lacks these things, remember he said you can pursue it, but it becomes a decision. Do you and I want to pursue it? Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, stand by, you will never stumble. Is that what the Bible says? You will never stumble. Imagine your life thinking of more in 24. In 24, I will not stumble. That's what he said. Did he not say that? But it is conditional to us being, giving all diligence to add these characteristics to our life because it gives no place to the devil. When I say give no place to the devil, sometimes our mind flips to sin. Unbelief is sin. Unbelief gives the enemy access to your life. That's why it's so dangerous. Amen? Don't you love this? Bump your neighbour, the other neighbour now. Say, wake up, man. You're never going to stumble. <laughs> Come on, family, think about this. Think about if you've had a hectic week this week. The Bible says you never have to stumble. There's no decision that you should make in truth. You can't make decisions in truth and stumble. It just doesn't work. Can't work. The decisions that we make that causes us to stumble is when we yield to reason and the old nature. You know, sometimes in believers' lives, when faith is under pressure, they like to go back to Egypt. The worst thing we can do, but we do that. We turn around and say, oh no, I don't know, I don't know. You know, I'm just going to go and sit in the corner again and think about this. Well, we've turned from the promise. You must hold to the promise. For so, look at this. This is you and I, believer. Come on, family. This is you and I. For so an entrance will be supplied to you into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. As we approach next year, we'll be thinking, or should be thinking, of more. Now, will we allow those thoughts to become a tangible reality? Think about that. Now remember, the seed of faith, you might sow the seed of faith 
and it may have a growing period of five years, but you can see the leaf. So you continue to believe and to water it with the Word of God. Amen? Amen? I want you to think about this seriously. That you don't ever not make decisions that are Spirit-led by the Word of God. You will never owe any man anything but to love him if you live this way. It doesn't mean they won't dislike you or won't talk about you. That's a possibility. Okay? But it won't affect you because you'll just forgive them. (laughs) Are you with me? So when you forgive them, you'll be free to continue to walk in the promise of God, right? Because remember he said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive, then I can't get the blessing to you. I'm gonna do my best, God's gonna always do his best, but there are certain things that need to be done that we need to do. So one wonders what life would look like. And for a moment, maybe we leave our lives alone for a moment. But let's go to Winston Churchill. London was getting bombed out of existence. They were completely unprepared. But he made a decision and he spoke to the nation. And I can't remember the exact words now, but it's, it's lovely words. We will fight them on the beaches. We will. He made a decision and the war was won. Now maybe you don't know some things about the Second World War. Hitler was growing in power, but they didn't believe what was happening the rest of the world. They played politics. And millions of people died because politicians made lousy decisions. Hello. People lost their jobs under COVID because politicians made decisions. Hello? So you see, your decision, spirit-led decision, will contradict that decision. It doesn't mean there won't be, the enemy won't try and put pressure on you, but what you'll see is the inherent power in the truth that the Holy Ghost gives you is what will carry you through. So there are decisions that are being made in this country because we live here, many countries, but we live here, so we're talking about here. They are making decisions that are affecting the quality of every citizen in this nation negatively, except for a small band of elitists. 
Now God says to us, make a decision and undergird the nation and pray for those in authority that there may be peace and dignity in your land. It's not dignity to live in a cardboard house on the side of the hill in Durban. That's not dignity. But even they have to make decisions. If you leave your decision to somebody else, you cannot complain about the outcome. Can you see what I'm saying? So some people just don't want to make decisions. And yet that's part of everything that we do every day. We make decisions. They are natural decisions, but they are motivated by the Spirit of God. And so they will produce life. Amen? History is full of destruction because of wrong decisions. Is that true? But there's also great victories. Look at the lights. Somebody made a decision. What was his name? Edison. He would not quit until the bulb worked. Do you and I have that kind of intestinal fortitude when it comes to the promises of God for our family, our life, our city, our nation? Can you see? For the unsaved, do we have that kind of determination. But there was a great price that was associated with what he achieved. I don't know if you've watched any of the things on the Wright brothers. Well, everybody thought they were wrong, not right. How many people think your decisions are wrong? Come on, you're in good company, yeah? How many people have told you that's a stupid decision? They didn't even think about it. They just didn't like what you were going to do. So they just shut it down. Hello. Hello. And so if you will make a weighty decision and then pay the price to execute it, the benefit that comes from those kind of decisions always outweighs the cost. I want you to see that. Don't look at the cost, look at the harvest. When, when the Lord dealt with Abraham, Abraham in the beginning, he took him out and he showed him the stars. So he told him where he's going, but then he had to make decisions all through his life to get to the place where he became 
the father of faith. First, it was a prophetic word. Then the decisions that he walked through and made caused him to inherit the promise of the father of faith, of which we are now called the same. So it's little decisions which contribute significantly, and I want you to hear this, into the collective daily group of decisions. Let me say that again. The Bible says they're little foxes. Solomon, Song of Solomon. They're little foxes. They come and they eat the vine. Okay? So what I want you to understand This is not a decision whether you're going to ministry or not. This is what attitude are you going to wake up with in the morning when you leave here tonight? Are you determined to see the glass half full or half empty? It's your decision. So these little decisions contribute significantly by feeding into the collective daily decisions that we make. I don't know how and where they get this stuff from. But if you have any confidence in worldly statistics, which I don't, They say your mind has about 10,000 ideas a day. Don't ask me how they measure it. Because they're probably as mad as that decision to say that. But be that as it may, if you've got a busy mind, then you're certainly going to put through a few hundred you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to look at your cupboard and you really don't have to pray, I promise you. Lord, which dress would you like me to wear? He might just answer you and say, put on what you like. I haven't got time for this now. (laughs) Now, he would never do that. He'll probably tell you because he loves you. But you understand, that's the beginning of decisions. When your eyes go, bing, you decide what day you're going to have. Come on, family. So we've been given exceeding great and precious promises and these promises empower us to be partakers of the divine nature of God. But in order for us to be a partaker of the divine nature of God, we have to, guess what? Decide that we want to partake. It doesn't hit us like some meltert that fell out of heaven. You and I have to decide. Come on, family. It's so very important. This divine nature 
requires us to be and to make spiritual decisions daily. And this is how they start. And I'm about to start closing. These characteristics, remember, are in you. You mobilize them. You add them to your faith. Okay? Listen. The Christian life demands diligence. I want you to think about that. There is nothing in Jesus' ministry that was slothful. Because the productivity that comes out of our lives comes from Him. I want you to think about this. The Christian life demands diligence. If it didn't, we wouldn't fit them in this place. Because it'd be easy. If it was stroking their flesh, that all be here. Holoberia in here. I'm telling you. It's because it demands diligence in pursuing moral excellence. Please hear me this, this evening. If you cannot trust your word, use all your faith to learn how to. Because if you don't trust your word, you will not trust your Father's word in heaven. You can say you will, but you won't. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's extremely important in this day and age in which we are living. And time doesn't allow for us to elaborate. But you just think about self-control. Perseverance. Why are there so many quitters in the kingdom? Now, the world's full of them. So we're not, we're not talking the world. We're not interested. Well, we are interested in the world, but from a salvation point of view. But why are there so many in the kingdom who don't persevere? Good question. Godliness, brotherly kindness, and a selfless love. Those are characteristics that we should be pursuing with faith. So when some genius tells us, you and your faith stuff, what's he going to do with this scripture? One of many. Faith started in the Old Testament. What are they going to do with this? Because this is what the Bible tells us. Amen? So Galatians 5, 16 to 18. The natural flesh always seeks. Let's go there. The natural flesh, just so, so you can feel a little bit more comfortable because the Lord is gracious with us. Look at this, Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 and 18. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
How do you walk in the Spirit? Listen and do. That's it. Listen and then do what the Spirit of God is saying from the Scriptures. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you'll have the ability to lay down fleshly, natural desires which are not going to be beneficial to you. Now, this is what I want you to see. Don't use it as an excuse. Use it as a truth so that condemnation can't come. Did you get it? Use it as a truth so condemnation can't come. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you will do them. Are you with me? Look at this. The things you wish, that's not an excuse saying, I can't. It's saying you must make the decision. Remember the first verse. If you make the decision to walk in the flesh, I mean, sorry Lord, in the Spirit, you'll never fulfill the lust of the flesh. I didn't say there's not going to be a war in your head. All the impies are going to be running around in there trying to convince you to quit. This is just not worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Trust me. It is worth it. Amen? So, you'll see that your flesh seeks to dominate the decision to walk in the Spirit by complete obedience. We have to get you, church. This is not popular doctrine for the church because it means I'm going to have to take my son, my only son, and put him on the altar in the context of the highest desire in your heart, God's going to ask you on the altar. Are you with me? There's nothing God takes away that He doesn't give back so many times over. Complete obedience when you walk in the Spirit. And that's what nullifies the flesh. It doesn't mean your mind won't want to run away. You just tell it, keep quiet, stay in my head, you're not going anywhere. Outside of God's love, Romans 5.5, 5, it is nigh impossible to exploit these characteristics in our daily Christian life. If we do not walk in the love of God, your flesh will fight you and fight you and fight you. Remember, love, covers 
a multitude of sin. So when we stay in love, then that's what happens. We get to get the victory. But this activation is going to need faith. So I don't know tonight, you may have one major decision, you may have 400 decisions that you have to make. But if you don't make the first one, the others will be shouting in the background forever and a day. And the frustration that comes from not executing the first decision is amazing. Not in a positive way. So, I want you to think about this. The reason I believe, and I'm sure you've worked that out, why the Holy Ghost would bring this is we cannot depend on a world system that is crumbling. You know, we can say we're ambassadors, but do we live as ambassadors? We can say we are new creatures. Do we live as new creatures? Because that's the issue. God brought all this to ensure, hear me, that we are insulated from sin and its effects. Think about it, no death. Now obviously, if you get old and Jesus doesn't come, you're gonna switch off the oxygen tank and leave sometime. But you understand what I'm saying. You can live it doesn't mean you're not you're like a goofball and don't know what's going on. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we often talk about it as a family. It feels like, yes, there's noise and stuff, but it often, more often than not, it literally feels like, I mean, we don't really have any problems. We may have the challenge here and there, but we don't have major problems. Do you know what I mean? Now, either I'm just too thick to understand that I've got one or they don't exist. I know the afflictions come, but I'm such a coward, I just run to the Lord, hide in Him. Because He said, if you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? if you and I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I wanna ask you tonight, you're going into 24. Think about why God has brought these things. Would you take Jesus's in abundance to the full till it overflows? You see, you cannot not make a decision being passive, you have made a decision to be passive. You become an accomplice in the eyes of God because you didn't make a decision. 
Because he said, I am placing before you life and death. He said, I've made you a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Choose it, he's saying, right? So you can see, don't, you cannot be passive about these things. And it's not, you don't have to get into sweat. <gasps> no, you just make decision. Yes, no. That's it. Enemy comes, no, in Jesus' name. Spirit of God comes, yes, King Jesus, let's do this. Come on. Amen.